Welcome to another episode of This Is My Generation, a podcast full of information for parents in the early years of homeschooling who are seeking clarity and encouragement to get through the uncertainty of homeschooling and build a thriving education for their family. I'm Dr. Melanie Bisson, the founder and owner of Generation, a company transforming education for the six plus million parents now paving their own educational path for their kids, the next generation. We do this through our group coaching program, Harvest, where parents sow seeds of clarity in their vision and goals, reap the fruits that come from being aligned in your approach and programs, stay rooted in empowerment and thrive together in community. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore This Is My Generation. morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this. Um, this could be a little longer episode, I think, so I'm going to get right into it today. You guys know that I'm finishing up the third part of what ended up turning into this mini-series on like getting the new year started. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly suggest just pausing this one and going back through the day one episode, the power of day one versus, you know, quote unquote, one day. Um, And then also last week's episode, and then come back here. And you'll get a much better sense of why we're talking about this now with the intentional beginning of something, decluttering our minds, making free space, understanding that, you know, quote unquote, it's just a season is not a mantra that we're just trying to get through. It's something to embrace now. And so boundaries, delegating, and routines are really all of the different ways that we do that. Um, So I want to start by delving into the fundamental concept of boundaries within our home. And I feel like this is a word we use a lot, um, but that not everyone defines the same way. And as a homeschooling parent, you know, your home is obviously not only the place where your family lives, but it's also where the education unfolds, right? So what exactly are boundaries and why why are we even talking about them in terms of being essential for parents in navigating the homeschool journey? Because I think in the context of your home, boundaries are really the sort of invisible lines that define the rules and expectations, you know, governing behavior and personal space and interactions. And they're really the things that provide the structure that are necessary for a thriving family, this educational environment that you're trying to cultivate. And in that homeschool setting, where we've talked about a few different times, how these roles of parent and teacher sort of coalesce, like, I really believe that clear boundaries, even now more than more than normal, I guess, or ever, um, becoming even more crucial. And, you know, boundaries create that sense of predictability and stability for both you and your children, you know, establishing guidelines for how the home functions during your school hours or wherever you might, you know, might call it, um, you know, wherever that learning is taking place and how family dynamics shift between those rules, it helps create a more harmonious atmosphere, right? And this is very vital in homes where your living space is that multifunctional area. You know, you've got both, you're accommodating both the family life and the formal learning. You don't have this grandiose separate homeschool room where you can just sort of like keep that stuff and keep it out of sight, out of mind. When you have these multifunctional homes, you really do need to implement this idea of boundaries even more. And and well-defined boundaries mean that, you know, as an example, like when it's time for a homeschool lesson, you know, everyone understands the shift in roles and expectations. And when the school day concludes, 
the boundaries allow for a smoother transition back to the family dynamic of the day. And I, and I know this sort of like, even just saying it out loud is like, well, yeah, of course, Mel, like that's, that's pretty obvious, but I I don't want you to think of the separation of roles as like very rigid and programmatic, right? Like, but rather, um, it's a framework. It's a framework that nurtures both the family and educational aspects of your home. Um, you know, and you're probably already doing it to some extent, but particularly for those new to the homeschooling journey, I think we can take for granted how crucial boundaries are and how much children thrive on consistency and structure for a positive learning environment. So especially if you're trying to start the year off with a better semblance of routine and setting expectations for your children, you know, you've had the first few months of the school year, you know, and of the fall to sort of figure out your, your homeschooling dynamic. And now you're really craving this. So are your kids. And knowing what is expected of them and understanding the parameters of their behavior is really what fosters that secure space for learning and growth, right? And I don't want you to hear me incorrectly. Like, I am not saying that behavior parameters and structures should be, like, consistently sitting in a chair for a few hours of your school day. Like, I'm just, I'm simply saying that when you communicate to them as expectations, they should have parameters and consistency. You know, it's it's the larger things like the schedule of your day, but it is equally as much the little things. And so with us, like it's the decisions that Josiah is free to make during our school time, you know, and that's like what seat he is going to use. Is he going to use his little wheelie chair? Is he going to stand? Or does he want to bring in the tall, high-backed, you know, unmovable, kitchen chair because he's feeling antsy and he doesn't want to get in trouble. The expectation is that like what he picks, he sticks with and, you know, he's not moving it around. Or, you know, he can choose which subject he wants to start with. But knowing my expectations of using the chair properly and seeing a subject all the way through are are part of these boundaries, right? It's the boundary of... Uh, mom gets quiet time after schoolwork before his little brother wakes up from nap. And he is still responsible for getting his own snack if he wants one, playing quietly without me, right? Like these are the things that, that we have put in place. Like they don't, they don't have to be this, this big thing that's going to take you forever to plan, right? And it's that last part for me that makes you know, the conversation, I think about boundaries and delegating and routines and everything so important because our roles are all encompassing, right? Like you're not just a mom or dad. You're also the primary educator and setting boundaries allows you to switch between these roles more effectively, right? We've talked before about preventing burnout and ultimately ensuring that that both aspects of your life, parenting and teaching, receive the attention they deserve. And also because parent and teacher are just two of the hats, right? Like we're also a wife, a friend, a volunteer, a church friend, like all of these things, right? Um, You know, really balancing the demands of homeschooling and household responsibilities and, I mean, gosh, our own personal well-being. Like we know that that's all a challenge. And healthy boundaries in this context are just as important to have as tools for success. You know, I think of the saying of, um, you know, how, what is it? You, you are most influenced by the five people you surround yourself with on a regular basis. Like I totally believe that. And, and think our role 
as as friend is even more important as a homeschooling mom because our energy is just split differently. I, I mean, I'm feeling this more than ever, and I'm I'm intimately experiencing this as we get further into this journey. And my need for boundaries around friendships that just aren't fulfilling or aren't sharing the same walk with me right now. And it's not because they aren't good friendships, but because the homeschooling mom hat is very different than the corporate employee hat that I was wearing before or the doctoral student hat. Like my mental load was just radically different, even with, you know, the stress that came from the job. Like it's, I mean, I'm I'm preaching to the choir, right? But it's just different being with your kids all day, especially if you were somebody like me who wasn't necessarily planning this. I didn't start off dreaming of being a mom. I mean, my whole first marriage with the same husband, by the way, that it's a whole very large, incredible testimony of, of God's goodness and grace and love. But my husband and I have been married twice. And the first time we didn't have kids because I didn't want them. And then when our marriage was redeemed and we got back together, you know, we, we started late. I was 35 when I had Josiah and 38, 39, when I had, uh, Levi a week from 39. Um, and you know, so it's just, we're, I'm, I'm in a different spot in terms of, I am so grateful for this opportunity. And I know this is where God has called me, but like, this isn't some innate itch of mine. Like I have to protect my, my well being and my mental load and my sanity because I can handle different volumes of things differently. And I get, you know, I I used to be in an airport every single week, overstimulated by sounds and stuff, but not bothered at all. And, you know, here just in the home, the sounds of the boys all day long with no other adult takes its toll. So all of that to say, like you, you just can't do it all with the same fervor that you, you may have used to, depending on which walk of life you might be coming into homeschooling from. And so you have to give yourself that grace and recognize that boundaries, you know, aren't some punishment on yourself or friends, you know, that, that they're necessary. And if you're married, you know, like, let's acknowledge that a happy marriage is not just this personal desire that you might have, but it's a significant factor in creating a, a conducive learning environment for your kids, right? I mean, having harmony in the home will undoubtedly have a positive influence on the overall homeschooling experience. So, you know, how do you prioritize your marriage while being a dedicated homeschool parent? You know, obviously I believe it's deeply tied to understanding and implementing these healthy boundaries. That's that's why we're talking about it, but you know, these boundaries w- within the marriage are just around clearly defining roles and responsibilities, you know, ensuring that the demands of homeschooling don't overshadow your relationship. And I believe this takes even more precedence, you know, the more children that you have and the older that they get when, you know, or as the school demands really become greater. And like anything else, communication is key, you know, just discuss expectations, share concerns, and most importantly, express appreciation for each other's roles. You know, healthy boundaries aren't about creating barriers. They are about fostering understanding and cooperation. You know, one family might want or need both partners involved in the homeschooling. And so you'll need to shift schedules accordingly and and really set those expectations with the children. You know, whereas another family will need to focus on drawing the boundaries between connection time with with their spouse and homeschool planning. Right. It's going to look different for everyone. 
And I think because we don't homeschool in isolation, we also need to look at boundaries outside of the home. You know, so if that's extended family, friends, or just other external commitments, like navigating social expectations and external pressure is definitely an art. You know, one that was very different before kids and before we started homeschooling, for sure. Um, You know, clear boundaries, again, is not about shutting people out. It's about defining what works best for your family and your homeschooling approach. you know, extended family can be an absolutely huge support. And, and I w- personally wish we had more of it closer to us. But it's essential to communicate your homeschooling decisions and expectations so that they understand your priorities and they can contribute in a more supportive environment. Right. So like rather than the aunt who's always sending you projects and ideas like with her her well-intentioned behavior, you know, communicate what your approach to homeschooling is and what you have planned and what you could actually benefit from. because. They want to help, right? Like, but you can't shy away from some of those more uncomfortable conversations. And when it comes to friends, like setting boundaries just ensures that your time and energy are allocated thoughtfully. You know, it's about balancing social interactions with your commitments as a homeschooling parent. And, you know, and then I think of like external commitments, you know, like community projects or personal engagements or something you volunteered for at the church or another leadership position you have somewhere else. Like all of those things now need to align with your family's goals and priorities because homeschooling is not just, and I feel this in my core and it's starting to radically shift my other commitments and, and define my purpose more, but homeschooling is not just another, um, thing on your plate. It's not just something else you do. It's, you're now responsible for cultivating the education of your child. And and it's a big undertaking. But it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be overly difficult. You just need to walk through the steps of defining what it means for you, what your approach is, what your educational philosophy is, and and having a plan, setting these boundaries, doing the little things that will get you there rather than trying to, you know, fly by the seat of your pants and, and get a bunch of worksheets, you know, from Ollie's and Walmart. And, and if that's where you are right now, it, it's not to say that's that, that that is necessarily bad, but if you are striving and desiring something different, then you need to make it a priority and understand how it starts to shift everything else in your life. Right. Because clear boundaries here, like with these external commitments really allow you to participate meaningfully without overwhelming your homeschool journey. And, and as you navigate, you know, those sort of like external spheres of influence or or circles or whatever you want to call them, like, remember that, that setting boundaries is truly an act of self-care. Like it's about recognizing your limits and communicating them effectively. Okay. So before I move on from boundaries, I, I do just want to talk about one more important aspect. Um, cause I just wrote self-advocacy and, you know, as a homeschooling parent, Advocating for yourself is not just important, but it's, it is essential for having just this balanced and healthy homeschooling journey. And as women and moms, I think we tend to struggle the most with advocating for ourselves and asking for help. You know, it's just part of our DNA (laughs) somewhere, but, but in a nutshell, self-advocacy is just really the art of communicating your needs, goals, and challenges effectively. 
So again, in the context of homeschooling, this means expressing what you need to in order to create an optimal learning environment for your kids while also considering your well-being, right? Like your needs matter. Your needs matter. No matter what your educational philosophy is or your approach to homeschooling, it, it can be demanding. And without expressing your challenges and goals and the things that you're facing, like it's going to be easy to start to feel overwhelmed. And advocating for yourself is not selfish. It's really a necessity for maintaining balance and just, again, overall well-being. So while it's going to look different for each of you, I think of things like just communicating your daily schedule, asking for help around the house or with a babysitting need, you know, just for you to be able to do an errand or justifying to your spouse, you know, why you're taking a week break from homeschooling, like whatever it might be, you're not just benefiting your own self and your care, but you're creating an environment that fosters open communication with your family. And this is such a lost element for many of us um, millennials and like Gen Xers. And it's, it's a skill that enhances, I think, just the overall dynamics of the homeschooling experience. So you've got to get in the practice of advocating for yourself. Um, I do think it's really important. Um, but I, I want to move on to just for the sake of time. So, um, if boundaries are like the guiding rules that are shaping the experience of homeschooling, you know, like that invisible hand that maintains order and is encouraging learning, then the delegation in the home is about that, that smart distribution of responsibilities, right? How you spread that load. And as a homeschooling parent, wearing multiple hats. We know like all of this is just overwhelming, but that's where delegation steps in to, to share this load. So like you have to, you have to let it right. You've set the boundaries, but now you need to release the other components and delegating is not relinquishing control. It's just allocating and entrusting tasks to others, recognizing that you don't have to do everything yourself. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strategic strength. Like, and it took me so long to learn this and I know I am still figuring it out. (laughs) Um, Delegating is not lazy. It's not about avoiding work. It's, I mean, it's really just about optimizing our efforts, right? And it's, it's definitely not about micromanaging. I think of it, uh, you know, like I, I I use these terms and stuff because it's just still in my my DNA from business, but like optimizing efforts, but it's also like fostering collaboration, right? Like when I think of how much I miss working on a team of willing and smart individuals, like that's what I'm craving now. And you can do that with delegating. And so the key, I think, to sustainable delegation, right? One that's actually going to last and be helpful for you is ineffective communication, as does everything, right? I mean, imagine that. But why are the most straightforward things to understand the ones that are like easier said than done? Because with delegating, like you have to clearly articulate your expectations and you've got to provide whoever's assisting you all the necessary information to empower them a little bit. Like it's not just about assigning tasks. It's if we're, if we're trying to create this collaborative environment, it, it's got to benefit everyone involved too. 
And, and there's so much joy for people in getting to help someone else. Oh, excuse me. In this way, like think about a time when you got to really step in and take on a task for someone else and how excited you were to like really manage that part of their day. Well, you know, if somebody, if a friend was having surgery and you got to be the one to drive her there and pick up a meal or a medicine on the way home, like just how good of a feeling that is. And when you're the one that finally asks for that help and lets that help in, what a relief it is too, right? So how can you, because I think that the flip side of this is we often think that delegating in itself and like laying out all the things that you need done can feel more of a burden, right? Like, so you have to look at the the practical pieces based on your abilities, your current needs, I think, and your existing resources, right? And, you know, so like for us, we are doing this alone, right? We've got a wonderful supportive church family, but they are, you know, significantly engrossed in their own lives and things. Um, all the grandparents are thousands of miles away with the exception of my dad, who's 90 minutes and he travels the country, you know, eight months out of the year. Um, so it's rare, you know, to be able to delegate or, or rely on him for, for anything. Um, you know, and, and these, these abilities and needs and sort of what, what resources you have to work with are going to shift over time. So you keep coming back to these sort of steps, but you know, the first step is to really just identify your strengths and weaknesses and not just in your head. Because I know I, I am someone who will listen to these type of podcasts and, and I want the information and I'll kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll make a little list in my head and I don't come back to it. So it's really important that you do take the time to recognize and write down the tasks that align with your strengths and those that can be handled more efficiently by someone else. You know, delegate it according to expertise so that you ensure that each task is, you know, tackled with skill and precision in the way you want it. Then you want to set clear expectations. And and this is just for yourself right now. So it's clearly outlining what needs to be done, what deadlines exist, what's reoccurring, and in the specific instructions. Because that clarity is what minimizes the misunderstandings and doing a little bit of that work up front ensures that the task that you are delegating aligns with your vision, right? So is it is it school prep? And so you need to shift in curriculum to be able to delegate that aspect. Is cooking and delegating to meal services or your spouse the right move for you right now? You know, asking the lady at the church or in your co-op who keeps asking you how she can help, you know, ask her to cook a meal once a week. Like whatever it is, making the list will open so many opportunities to delegate things. And, and go back to the list of decisions that you made in the first episode of the year with the, the power of day one and, and go through to spark ideas of like, what are some of the things that you can delegate? Because after that, and, and you've written down these uh, instructions and, you know, what these clear expectations are, like now you can look at the options for a support system and create it. Cause I think sometimes we, we do that first. Oh, so-and-so said they can help. And then you think of something to like plug in there but maybe it's not the best fit and then it's a friend of yours. And so you feel bad taking it away and then becomes more of a burden. And now you're not going to delegate again, right? Like it becomes this whole cycle. 
So like, don't overcomplicate this guys. Like what, what you gained from the episode about the power of day one versus one day, like send that text, pick up the phone, like whether it's involving other family members, friends, or hiring external help, like start to build a support system now because it only, it not only lightens your load, but it's going to foster that sense of community and shared responsibility. And I promise I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but that that collaboration and that team makes it so much more fun. And it can be freeing for you and, again, like fun for the other party too, right? Um, and then I think lastly, like you need to just lean in and trust the process. Like the heart of delegation is trust. And trusting others to handle tasks is hard, but it allows you the mental space to focus on homeschooling and the other essential aspects of your life. Maybe it's caretaking or finances, like whatever it might be. It's a leap of faith that very often results in positive outcomes, not the other way around. Um, And it is a skill, you know, delegating is a skill that evolves over time. So don't be afraid to experiment with different strategies and find what works best for you and your family. Like I'm literally preaching this to myself because, you know, as I was doing just my little outline for this episode, like I wanted to know a good example of my delegating and (laughs) Lord knows I struggled. Like for me, it's not a pride or a control thing so much as a not wanting to burden someone else. And so I've been working on that myself, like with a dear friend from my co-op who continues to offer to take the boys one day a week so that I can get some focused work done. And my first instinct is to be like, you're crazy. Like you've got three young kids too, but she means it. And she keeps telling me that and she wants to do it as a service. And I need to honor that and trust the process, right? Like I have to keep in mind that it's not just about lightening my load. It's about creating a more balanced and fulfilling homeschooling journey, not just for me, but for the boys too, right? And it's something that would fulfill her and being able to help because maybe she can't help in the ways that she used to outside of the home anymore. And so this is the way of her providing a service and fulfilling that too, right? So, okay. The last part of the episode that I wanted to talk about is routines and priorities and just how good habits around these is going to help us maintain our sanity, right? And I, again, am preaching to the choir. I keep, you know, telling you guys that I'm going to be walking alongside you in all of this stuff because I, it's literally, it is now 6.25 AM and I've probably been talking for 25 minutes already, but I'm in my car outside in the dark because I deviated from my set routine and, you know, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, two days out of the week instead of five seemed to only work for me. and. I I messed up the routine and now I'm paying for it. So it's like, these are important, not just for yourself, but for the family too. Because living in a world where, you know, the home is not just the home, but again, it's also the school and the education environment, you know, establishing effective routines is paramount. And and so again, for the sake of time, I just want to focus on, on two big areas that I think come up the most and it's meals and clutter. And the area I've found that that often needs the most attention at least in my home is mealtime. You know, for many of us homeschooling parents, like meal prep and shared family meals can become 
really these good anchors in the day. And it's not just about like the nourishment for our bodies, obviously, but it's about creating these moments of connection, like amidst all of just the busyness. And I have never been a meal planner. Like I'm not even the cook in the house. And, but this has like single-handedly been the biggest source of frustration for me in homeschooling and just the, the transition from traditional school and daycare and structuring and preparation in this area is definitely critical to a peaceful routine. You know, planning meals ahead, involving your kids in the cooking, making it a collective, enjoyable experience. Even if part of your planning is ordering in, but being able to have that time together, like it's not just about efficient meal planning. It's about just transforming those routine tasks into opportunities for family bonding. Like, and at least that's, that's my goal and intention in creating my plan. Um, but it, it, it's a big one. Right. And then clutter is the other challenge with, you know, having the schoolroom in your home and, you know, just that constant battle in a space that serves as both the living area and the learning environment. Right. Like, and yeah, so I, I sort of call it like decluttering for clarity, you know, so if you struggle with containing all the stuff and, and looking out into the sea of things that need to be tidied up, then, you know, just consider implementing like short focused decluttering sessions. Like there's, there's a ton of online programs for this. And I, and I don't think it's all that necessary unless it's like really a trigger area for you, but like focus on just one room at a time per week, whatever fits realistically into your schedule. And then, cause here's the, the then for us millennials who, who drive around with Goodwill bags, you know, for weeks on end in our backseat. Um, and I, and I laugh because it's literally me right now. Like I, I went to breakfast with my youngest in tow while Josiah was at, uh, zoo camp at the start of the year. And it's the first time we used to meet monthly for lunch when the boys were in daycare and school. And it's the first time I am confident since the summer, but anyways, so she had, had messaged me. She was like literally decluttering and from Christmas and she had three, three blankets that she wanted to know if the church could use. And I was like, well, probably not. I was like, but you know, the daily bread, which is this, um, wonderful organization that helps give to some of the needy in the community and some of those struggling with housing. Um, she had those and then she's like, well, could you use these hangers too? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I've been meaning to drop them off. And there was this little bird in my head that was like, don't take these. Like you, you can't do that now. It's not just as simple as running them down there. Like you've got the boys, you have all these schedules, you're doing schoolwork and they're still in my car. And I had to take them out so I could do some of the Walmart deliveries and stuff the other day. So now they're just going to sit in, in the garage. And, and that's part of the mental clutter for me, right? And so if you're in that same boat, you have to delegate the second part of it, right? Like you, <laughs> you have to, you can't just do the first part. Um, you know, so you have to delegate helping get it out of the home or the trunk or really, cause it's not just about tidying up. It's about creating that environment that supports the focused learning and the sense of order, right? Like that's, that's ultimately what we're after. And so while mealtime and clutter, you know, are some of the bigger ones that I know many of us experience, like I also, there's so many broader routines and priorities worth exploring. Um, I mean, first, it's just good to identify like what your ideal routine is. Like overall, what routine suits your lifestyle? 
right? Don't look at others to define this for you or compare yourself to another homeschool family. Like understand the rhythm of your family and acknowledge that each family operates uniquely. Like perhaps you find that mornings are more productive for lessons or, you know, maybe it's afternoons on the flip side because, you know, your kids are better after their energy has been spent. Like it's not about just having a routine. It's about having the right routine for your family. That's why all I can do is give you, you know, the best examples that I have because each of us are going to have a different educational philosophy, a different approach, different aged children. The, the, the shared sense is that we are in the beginning stages of this journey together and trying to establish these things at the same time, you know, and, and getting those priorities clear is a fundamental, is a fundamental part of that process. Um, you know, just again, like refer back to that, that episode on the power of day one, like list down those decisions and priorities and what is essential, what is an essential aspect of your homeschooling journey? You know, like what can you delegate? What requires your direct attention? It's not just about having priorities. It's about having a clear understanding of what actually and truly matters to you. Uh, you can also consider adopting what, what they call a circular priority model. And so you picture your priorities as these like little interconnected circles rather than having this like linear to-do list. And so then it's not just about like checking off tasks. It's about understanding the synergy between different aspects of your life. Like it's really cool. And it's something that's super fun to talk about. I just, I don't want to make this episode even longer, but like, look that up if that's really intriguing to you or send me an email and like, we can talk about it in more detail. Um, you might also go back to that list of decisions you made and think of like the must do's and the, the can waits, right? Distinguish between things that you have to do and things that can wait. Cause it's not just about managing time. It's about managing your energy and your focus more effectively. And as, you know, as we navigate just all this talk about routines and priorities and, and how you're going to be communicating with your spouse. Like, remember that it's a dynamic process and what works today might need adjustment tomorrow. Like embrace the flexibility that homeschooling offers because it's not just about having the routines, but it's about crafting routines that contribute to your own fulfilling homeschooling journey, right? So, okay, I'm staring at the clock. The sun is starting to come up. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys go. Like, just remember that this journey is yours. Okay. It's unique. It is ever involving. Like, embrace the power of day one. It's the power to start new, to set boundaries, to, to delegate wisely, and to craft these routines that are going to resonate with your family's rhythm. Right. It is such a freedom. You can do it with structure and flexibility. You just got to take that first little step. All right. So until next time. If this is resonating with you and you want to be free of the uncertainty and the overwhelm, then hop on over to thisismygeneration.com and explore the options for the Harvest program and download one of our free eBooks. I'm so excited to help parents get out of their head and get in sync with their homeschool vision and plans. Our four-step process of sowing seeds of clarity, reaping the fruits of alignment, staying rooted in empowerment, and thriving in community include all the concrete ways to overcome the common mindset challenges homeschool parents face and move you into a growth mindset that will trade the uncertainty and overwhelm for calm confidence. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast and follow us on Instagram at underscore this is my generation.